Tracy. And I'm Norma. And we're Black Girls with Accents. Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We thank you, uh, as always, for joining us. So this morning, we're delighted to bring to you our special guest, Miriam Osei. Miriam is the founder of Bee Cake New York. It is a custom cake shop in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn, which is booming with business. She has baked cakes, custom cakes, for the likes of Rihanna, Jay-Z, Taraji P. Henson, and other amazing celebrities and customers. Miriam is of Ghanaian descent, but spent time in her childhood in Germany. So we're excited to speak to you this morning. Welcome. Welcome. Happy belated <laughs> birthday also. I just realized that I peaked. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love your show. I think I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Excited to have you. So so tell us a little bit about your upbringing, as we like to say, your origin story. So we know, as we just read your bio, uh, Miriam Osei today, um, but tell us a little bit about um, life before you became uh, the professional woman in your okay, formative so, years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I um, I was born in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is German. My dad's from Ghana. They both met in Germany in college or mm-hmm. at a university. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because usually whenever I speak to anyone here, they're like, oh, you must be an army brat. Definitely army, right? Army, army, you know, how that goes. Oh, <laughs> so, <right. Yeah. laughs> so I'm always like, no, nope. already when I see them, when they're like, oh, yes, I, we know already. I'm like, no, we don't. Not army. Different story, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so, but I mean, I guess it's understandable. I mean, that's generally everyone's connection to Germany. It's like, oh, you must have been somehow, you know. Right. Uh, Stationed, sta- stationed there or something like that. Right. Um, but no, my uh, my dad actually uh, went to Germany to go to university and then met my mom there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was born in Germany um, and uh, raised there. Um, I went uh, to school there. I moved to the U.S. when I was 20. Oh. So in 2000, actually. Oh, so just 20 years Uh, ago. Yeah, so I was, um, yeah, so I was actually, I was actually 19 when I moved. Um, And um, yeah, so I was just thinking, oh my God, I can't believe it's already 20 years. Can you you tell us um, why did you move and what was your first... How did you perceive the U.S.? Did it align with, I mean, had you traveled here prior to the move? Did it align with your perception of what life might be like here? I mean, were you, I I can say for myself, I had a, you know, a a television view, a media view of New York, an unrealistic view of America. Um, Didn't quite match up with what I saw on the television growing up. Um, How was it for you? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely huge culture shock you know like I was um I mean you know this sort of the cliche of the 90210 sex in the city America mm-hmm. you know right. um not realizing that Carrie could have you know never afforded that apartment yeah I was watching that last night, night. <laughs> you know and all those shoes and things um but um it was it was definitely a culture shock in a, in a way that everything was just so big to me you know I was mm. I was used to like sort of going to you know german supermarkets where even basics like milks or like a liter and not a gallon you know right. like everything was just you know it seemed like super sized you know that seemed like a movie at the time yeah. everything seemed super sized from the cars to the you know like i was so used to already that movement that's coming here now where it's like small cars and saving the environment right. and climate change and all right. that i was so used to being in the middle of that and then i came here and people were still like you know, putting burgers in plastic boxes and styrofoam boxes and paper and right. another bag yeah. around. Right. Like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the recycling bin? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, um, so all of that was definitely a little bit of a shock and just, I mean, I'm a total foodie. So food was definitely something where I was just like, wow, I can't believe this. Like people, you, you know, things that we had 
for a birthday party. We're like, oh my God, we're going to McDonald's. You know, um, people were having like using as nutrition. Yeah, <laughs> you know? um, so those were really things where I was just like, wow, there's so much sugar and salt in this. How's this possible? And really no flavor, but still so much sugar and salt. Right. And um, so I was definitely struggling with just finding things to eat that I liked, just like that were healthy. And I mean, I never was like a health nut or something like that, but I wanted to just be able to eat like a bread, a piece of bread or something, you know, and here it just, everything just seemed so like sugary and, you know, or somehow processed that um, that was definitely a culture shock for me to, it took me probably like a year or so to like find like supermarkets. I mean, it's different now too. You know, now there's a whole foods everywhere. You can get, you know, a lot of things that, you know, 20 years ago, it was, I think Whole Foods was just opening, I think. I remember when it was the first Whole Foods. Um, so um, that was definitely a little bit of a struggle for me in general. And um, and just also the people were different, you know, like you are, you know, Europeans are somewhat a bit more direct and there's less of this like oh my god hi i love your shirt and oh how are you and i was just like well she asked me so so am i going to be like hey yeah today was like this and this is how it's going and people are just really just asking how are you as like a general right you know so so i'm like okay now i'm learning that what that those things don't really actually mean anything um so a little bit of that shallow thing that that people do um I definitely have to get used to that, to not take things too serious. Because I'm always like, when I ask someone, how are you? I actually want to know. Right. You know, it's not part of my greeting. Um, but, you know, you get used to all those things. You know, people are like, oh, I'll call you later. And then you're like, wait, I'm German. When I say I call you later, I'm calling you at the right. time that I said. But, you know, you, you know, you get adjusted to things. And I wasn't like a or am not this like hardcore German either because I was, you know, raised in this multicultural household of, you know, of, you know, lots of like, you know, Ghanaian influence also where, um, so I was already used to being able to adapt to cultures in a way, you know, like I could be like, you know, at my, you know, German grandparents with all of their neighbors and I could and feel comfortable and I could also be at like, um, you know, a Ghanaian, uh, you know, dinner with my dad, right. complete opposite in, in you know, feel and food and, and everything and um, still feel comfortable and adapt. So yeah. I just, you know, yeah, I think I ended up in a place where in New York, you were kind of like that also. So it was really the perfect place for me to be because it's there's so many cultures mixed together where you can just, you know, right. or easily adapt to in a way. You're like, hey, tonight I feel like Vietnamese. Tomorrow I feel like going to Chinatown. The next day I feel like, you know, eating Nigerian food. Today. So you can, you know, and your friends and people around you are like that too here. Yeah. So I feel like my, you know, upbringing definitely prepared me to that makes sense. Was there a large Ghanaian community where you grew up in Germany? Yes. So Dusseldorf definitely has a large Ghanaian community. So it's easy to like there are like Ghanaian stores and hairdressers and just uh, it wasn't like um, you know we were like these kind of like alien people. Um, But so where I lived in the, the school that I went to there, there definitely were, it was, there were not a ton of like, I would say African children in general, um, but it was a mix of Europeans, that makes sense, yeah. you know, so, um, or, you know, Middle Eastern also, that's, there's a large Middle Eastern community, Turkish mainly in Germany, so um, I did grow up with just just a mix of cultures like my best friend was polish other best friend was from uh from hungary other uh, you know bulgaria like people you know where you are you know just used to just eating different things and hearing different languages and just going to you know being comfortable at people's houses that have complete different cultures than your own okay so when you first um when you first get here, when you first get to, do you get to New York when you first come to the U.S. or where do um, you land? No, I, I, I lived in Stanford, Connecticut mm. for uh, probably two years. Um, 
uh, went to school there, got to get to know, you know, people. I met a lot of, um, actually funny, I met another uh, Ghanaian German whose dad came, is from the same like town as my dad. Wow. Um, and we've, you know, been friends ever since. Also, you know, yeah, it's for coincidental, we met at the beach in Connecticut. Wow. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, so I had a little bit of a, like a transition into New York. What prompted you to go to school here in the U.S. and not for free in Germany? Or maybe it was for well, free it here did. too. But I, I, I did that, but I wanted to have um, just a different experience. You know, I had one of these moments, I think, where I broke up with a boyfriend of like three or four years and like just wanted something not that that was the main reason but it was like one of those moments when you just like change in life sort of you know I was like oh I'm gonna you know go away for a year do something different get some distance between me and everything here and I think it was a bit of that I I've always kind of felt like I wasn't going to be in Germany forever Mm -hmm. you know so um just culturally I felt like I did not fit in that well um Germans are very uh sort of you know on principle and things have to be like this because we make the rule that way and we can't really you know we said we're going to walk straight so we cannot bend right here right. it's not going to work <laughs> you yeah. know I work um, with a German colleague we're co-teaching a class right now so yeah I know <laughs> Yes. So, are, you know, there are like these principles that, you know, um, you know, I definitely have some of that in me, mm-hmm. but not enough to be like, uh, to have that sort of be the way I live. Like, I needed to have this like, entrepreneurial spirit that is just not there in Germany, you know, Germans make, you know, amazing things, amazing cars, they're reliable, they're, you know, Mm -hmm. smart and organized and efficient, you know, Mm -hmm. but they are not the like, uh, creative risk taker type, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and I always felt that I fit in more in that direction, which was more sort of an American um, lifestyle, you know, this like, oh, you could like, if I would have tried to open my business in Germany, it would have been like, oh, do you have a master's degree in, you know, cupcaking? Right. <laughs> Otherwise, you will not get a permit to, you know, right. open a store. Right. Um, so entrepreneurship gets very, like, you know, limited by the, you know, the laws. And, um, you know, here in New York, it's like, okay, well, you have money to put down on a store and an idea. Right. <laughs> you can open a store. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, indeed. Um, so, and um, I I always really like that idea of, um, you know, that part of American culture, like, even with the kids in school, they do, you know, um, what is it, share and tell or something like that, right? That's like, show and tell, right? Mm -hmm. That's something that seemed very different here than in Germany, you know, it was more like, hey, everyone, by tomorrow, we're memorizing this, you know, and then we're repeating it. So, um, here it was it's more like, okay, you know, bring something that you're passionate about and talk about it in front of other people, you know. So I think that makes a big difference in how people grow up and how they feel about themselves and how they, you know, feel confident to, uh, you know, take a risk or, mm-hmm. you know, start something. So, yeah, so I'm sort of, you know, I like the combination of things. Like I'm not the person who was like, oh, let me take a million dollar credit and then just, you know, go crazy. But I feel like I landed somewhere in between where I'm like, I can, you know, I like a calculated risk. Yes. Yeah, you said something, all of what you said is so familiar, so I'm just nodding away. (laughs) Um, But you said something earlier that that sparked me because um, about how the, the street view here is kind of changing to what we're like similar what we've known to see in Europe and so I was wondering like how do you feel about it are you happy about things looking similar to what we've known from when we grew up in Europe or are you like it's taken too much away from what I came to love when I came here like like when I came to Brooklyn at first I was like oh Brooklyn was intense for me I kind of grew up more similar to you but diverse group of people but different not necessarily just only black people 
So coming to Brooklyn was for me a very culture shock of just being where I was predominantly with black people. And then the same with the food. But now it's changed in that exact, exact same neighborhood. So what are your feelings about that? So, okay, so there's, I, I would say there are different parts, right? So I like, um, obviously you always want the best of both worlds, right? Like I always appreciated the way, um, you know, Germans care about, um, you know, not leaving trash around or not, or like the environment and all of that. Like it's so huge. Like I still like, I've caught myself like telling people like, did you just drop that? Yes. <laughs> you know? And I'm just like shocked. Like my mother would like strangle me if I would drop a, a gum or on the street or paper, you know? And I see people like the other day I saw someone open the door and dump a whole like McDonald's meal in the street. Yeah. Cops, things, you know, and I, I, like that to me is just something that's so ingrained in like the sort of European culture that you mm. make sure that, you know, things are recycled properly, yeah. you know, and all of that. So that I think is something that has been just not, uh, you know, taken care of here, that people just idle their cars for two hours while they go for dinner just so the car is still warm, you know, um, that kind of stuff was I think needs to change and adapt to, you know, sort of European standards, which, you know, have since then, you know, still like moved so much and America is so behind on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other hand, there is, I think what you're also talking about is like gentrification, right? Mm-hmm. So that to me is definitely very different because it, that's not like sort of improve, making improvements, right? Like, I feel like overtaking or outpricing people, you know, is, is isn't an American thing, you know, for sure. Um, But it's not what's, you know, bringing the the country further or the city further, you know, so that to me is definitely negative. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that it, it just needs to be done differently, not really just driven by this, you know, greed greed of landlords and um you know i guess they're, they're business people you know understandable somewhat but in order to sort of preserve this culture that we all love of new york i think there needs to be um sort of a uh, like a way where it can't be that you know the whole building gets replaced with people from minnesota and then now they complain about right it actually happened to me yeah. It happens to me. We have all new people in the building above the store, and now people are complaining that we're closing the fridge door too loud. Meanwhile, we had the same fridge for 12 years. Right. You know? So, um, you know, when people come in, they're like, oh my God, is this place new? And I'm like, no. That's <laughs> 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 new. <laughs> you are, you know? Right. And so, you know, what you could do instead of, you know, the first thing to, you know, to do when you meet your new neighbors is, oh my God, your fridge door is so loud. You know, like, hey, let me buy a cupcake. Let me, you know, talk to the people that are, you know, left and right for a minute and get a feel of what's going on here. And maybe I can, you know, I can fit into this neighborhood without trying to, you know, come in and then make it something that it's not. Right. Right. Here, here on that one. So how often, um, so you've been here for 20 years, how often do you return to Germany and what aspects of Americanization do you see in Germany? Um, so I try to go back for definitely every year. I was just there in August. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's so much more American everything available, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I remember a few years ago, I went to the supermarket and I saw Oreos and I was just like, what? Yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, so it's it's not just that, but it's also cultural things, mm-hmm. you know, like we have never had Halloween when I was growing mm-hmm. up, you know, it was just a thing I saw like on mm-hmm. TV or something. And, you know, I remember seeing it on like ET or you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But now it's like a full blown holiday over there. And um, so my mom just talked to me like a few days ago. and was just like, oh, my God, it's so scary. All these ghosts everywhere and people dressed up as horrible yeah. things. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, it's it's happening, you know, and it's, I think, you know, I have people that celebrated baby showers and like mm-hmm. a few years ago for, mm-hmm. to me, for me, it was always like, 
oh, you know, in Germany, you sort of believe that you don't celebrate babies before they're born, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, you don't celebrate birthdays before they happen, you Mm -hmm. know? It's like a really, like, a cultural belief. And now people having baby showers and, like, really, you know, with the whole American, like, decorations you can get on Amazon. And it's like a whole um, different story. And it's it's happening, you know? And um, I don't mind, like I said, like, I don't mind taking over positive aspects from other cultures you know um or being inspired by them um but it it needs to be i think you have to still keep your own authenticity somewhere right you know like i don't i think we shouldn't you know 20 years from now just all look like la you know right yeah right so um so it, it you know i think it's it has to be a balance of, you know, like saying like, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's try to take the Europeans as a example for what they're really good at, at their, you know, energy efficiency and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And let's try to, you know, maybe look at, you know, American culture as in, you know, inspiration for entrepreneurship or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, where you're picking like positive things from other cultures as, as inspiration, right? But not, um, just adapting things to then sort of, you know, it's like wearing masks in a way, right, you know, right. You're just like taking something and uh, because you, you think that's cool from TV. Right. So, but I, you know, I don't know if that's, that's realistic, you know, obviously it'd be nice if that was possible, but realistically probably just all heading down the same, you yeah. know, Americanizing way everywhere. Right. It's definitely the byproducts of globalization, right? But it does, um, I'll say from my own perspective, I was home this summer and England looked no different than Long Island in terms of, you know, all the superficial things, right? You go to a mall and it was no different, right? We didn't grow up with malls, but now there are malls. And you go to the mall and it's the same Westfield shopping center that you have here. Uh, right. Shake Shack on every corner, Starbucks on every oh, corner. Yeah. Uh, there were these huge stores called American Candy Shop. It was, I mean, it was excessive, <laughs> but especially in London. Um, right. You know, especially in the busy, you know, tourist district, for example, in the high streets. It was, um, it was actually for me, I hadn't been home in six years. So it was disappointing, wow. actually. I you know, over time, uh, England is becoming uh, indistinguishable from the US in a lot of ways. Um, Not as it pertains to manners, uh, etiquette, but, um, you know, at this point, England is, there's a nostalgia for the England that I left, you know, 30 something years ago. And it's, the reality is it's not, it's not that anymore. And I think I, every time I go back, I keep wanting that. And it's just, it's not realistic. Even in smaller, more rural areas that are less prone to that kind of, um, what we say, cultural imperialism, uh, they still in their own ways, uh, as you said, whether it's, um, what do you call that? Black Friday. Oh gosh, yes. has become a big thing, and uh, or the IKEA, yeah, which is obviously weird. European, but it's just <laughs> the, the the kinds of habits, cultural norms that are imposed onto a place, and uh, the inhabitants of that place. I don't know if they're all struggling against it because a younger generation obviously welcomes that kind of change, and they're able to have what America gives without necessarily having to physically be there. And an older generation is probably just too tired to fight, <laughs> to fight it. To find the big like, conglomerate to you. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was the, uh, and it's a, it sounds a little bit weird, but like, so our younger generations in the Netherlands and not necessarily mm-hmm. just black, just any culture, Moroccan white or like any Dutch any of the Dutch young people, they copy a lot of the mm. black street behavior. So they were wearing like what are gang signs, uh, colors here, like, and, 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 and like certain things. And it was also the first time that I heard somebody like use the, the, the fashionable version of, an, of the N word behind me in a restaurant. That's definitely not something we had before. And I kept, I remember seeing some of the kids and I'm like, 
you would die in the wrong neighborhood. But I could tell that they think it's cool. So it's, it was very bizarre to... Like, you want to say something to them, and at the same time, I'm like, forget it. You're here, you're safe, you have no clue. You probably feel like you're in, like, a, a video, you know, like a, mm-hmm. a film. or it's like, like a film. video. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I was like, oh, wow, no, don't do that. Like, I was in my head, I was like, don't actually wear that on vacation now. You know, like, but I think somebody would automatically still know that they're tourists because of it was so over the top, and they didn't mm-hmm. match, like, I think they would be scared to death if we really drop them off in the neighborhood that they think they want to be cool in. Let me say it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, think that there is there's the um, idolization of young Black Americans in particular, who I will say, from a positive standpoint, um, even though I acknowledge, you know, the history of this nation, the... Um, structural inequalities and all of that i think young black people in america though grow up much more free um i don't necessarily you know there's certain things that as an older person i might frown on older like i'm 70 years old but there's certain things uh, i mean youth culture period regardless of ethnicity or race but i actually have come to admire the um unapologetic brazenness not always when I'm in the midst of young people doing what they do but I actually admire that because I think in other countries especially if you are uh, smaller numbers you are the minority or you're one of yeah you don't feel as comfortable in your skin to express yourself in such a bold way and young Black Americans, especially in the urban centers, have that. It doesn't mean that they necessarily all have a strong sense of self and identity, but there are enough examples for them to know that it's okay to express themselves that way. Whereas, you know, I didn't have that. I was in a small town, you know, one of a handful of black families, and we couldn't be... No one told us we couldn't be loud or expressive, but we, I don't know that we knew how to be. I don't, I, we just kind of fell in line with this is what everybody does. So we're just the same as everybody else. And coming to America, seeing young black people, um, I don't know, it could be whether it was, um, so to be clear, I'm not suggesting that black people in Europe lack imagination or creativity. I'm not suggesting that. But what I'm saying is there's a fearlessness when I was growing up there, I saw a fearlessness in young black Americans that I didn't see amongst the handful of black people in my community. Now I didn't grow up in London, so I'm sure it was different in London. Um, but for smaller villages, I think that that is a challenge. Young black people just have a swag. I mean, that the whole, the literal definition of swag, um, they have that that's innate as something that they carry with them, you know, even, you know, leaving the confines of their um, boroughs. And I think that that's what young people in Europe look at and um, try to emulate without necessarily understanding what creates that kind of bravado. That bravado obviously also comes from survival, the need to survive, the need to present oneself as tough, the need to be seen, the need to occupy space. You know, there's a whole political thing going on with that as well that I don't think that young kids in Europe who are wearing, you know, I saw the bonnet culture when I was at home, the bonnet and the slip flops and all that stuff that's made its way there. Um, I don't think that they fully get what's happening. And I think maybe social media helps with that a little bit. But as Norma said, to come and live in America, they would be shocked. They wouldn't... uh, the clothing is just performance. It's not real life. For some, yeah, for I mean, some. It's expression, like, at the end, I guess. This is where, you know, uh, how you are, you know, expressing expressing your culture. I mean, it's different in Europe because you're just, like you said, you are one of a handful of Black families. You know, it's different when you don't have this, like, cultural backup with you. If you're just, you know, 
if your girlfriends are all, you know, big white girls with straight blonde hair, then you're like, okay, I, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, how going to be like, oh, how can I be proud of my curls? How can I, you know, really, you know, be like authentically me? You want to be, you know, fitting in, you know, how every teenager just wants to fit in with their friends, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's hard to find, you know, your, you know, sort of space, cultural space, if you're not surrounded with other people that look like you or that are like you. Um, so I think that's definitely something that's changing in, in Germany. I definitely realized that people were making, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but I mean, there are still in Germany, still things accepted that were like straight up like racist, right? Like candies that were named like Negro kisses and things that were, you know, things like, like, um, just like, just things that were inappropriately named. And there was still this, there was this whole scandal recently where it was a, like a sauce that was, um, you know, that really had like a racist name and people were arguing about it like oh we've always called it that why do we need to change it now you know what I mean that typical argument like no one means anything mean about it it's just it's just the name we all know it you know and people there was like this big scandal with this guy on tv who was defending the sauce you know and uh, like a famous like a nighttime guy uh, you know kind of like a Jimmy Kimmel of, of Germany mm-hmm. and um and he really just was not getting it. He was just saying things like, oh, once I dressed up as Jimi Hendrix and I was in this, oh, at this party. Exactly. At this party. And I was the only black man. You know, so I do know how people feel. And people were just like, oh, my gosh. You know, like he it was such a, like a big scale. He truly just didn't get it. He didn't understand that that was bad. What he just said, he, like, right. he tried to defend himself with what he was saying, right, you right. know, so. There's this. There's been this big movement of just trying to for people to understand. You know, well, you know, that's what happens. You know, people don't. You don't think further. You just assume that it's fine because you don't mean it that way, right? right? So, and I'm like, you can you can be racist and not mean it. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. It doesn't mean you can't learn. Right. You know, but. Is it- you have to accept it first and be like, oh, okay, let me learn and let me not say that again. And don't cover that up with, we've always done it. It's not that bad. I didn't mean it. Right. So. Is it young people that are driving this, um, you know, public outcry, uh, which I think is necessary, right? Because yes, culture is culture, but people evolve, right? And we need to evolve as as, as, right. as a society. So do you, is it the young people that are instigating a lot of this call for change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I would say it's probably the generation that's a little bit younger than me. Like, I feel like I see a lot of people that are um, really rallying for for change and really are saying, you know, not just the clear, obvious things like I mentioned, but, all, but you know, there are a lot of like street names that are like from colonial times where it's like Negro Road and like, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's, like, it's not the actual word, but like mm-hmm. meaning wise, you know, in German. And people are just like, oh, it's always been that way, you know? So, but now there are people that are saying, you know, because you can change it, you can learn, you can move, you know, like evolve. And um, so I definitely see that happening, which is nice. I'm actually, someone just contacted me to be, on a panel in December about that. And people used to contact me a lot, just like, oh yeah, German girl baking cakes in New York, you know? And now it's like German black girl making cakes. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, like we want to include black women that are entrepreneurs and not, um, so it's it's becoming more of an actual subject that people talk about, which is nice compared to this like taboo where it was like, oh, I don't see color. You know, there was a huge book called uh, exit racism by um, uh, Tupoka is her name. She, amazing, amazing book that just for the first time, she, like makes it about, um, makes racism about white people. Like this book is for white people that she wrote. Like how can, how can you, like it's like a step-by-step instructional, where do you start? Like realize you're white, realize you're like all, you know, all these like, 
interesting steps for, for people to just realize the things are happening and that when you say i don't see color that that's actually a bad thing you know because you should so um that's something that i think made a huge difference that people started reading this book and started kind of just having this like uncomfortable moment of wow oh i did used to say that a lot and i can't believe i was being offensive because the first thing people do right they defend they go oh my god no i'm not i'm not racist nope there is no way I have black friends. I, my neighbor is this Turkish lady. I like talking to her all the time. I can't be racist, right? <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, but hey, I did feel uncomfortable when my daughter tried to date someone who's Turkish, you know? So, um, yeah. so I, I thought that that was a really amazing, like something that happened in the last, like maybe two, three years, really, that um, I, you know, would have been really great for me growing up to have, you know, around, but it's very, you know, it's very nice to see that the, you know, the generation, my nieces and nephews now can, um, you know, benefit from that. So, Mm -hmm. and then I have it, which is kind of (laughs) going to sound like a reverse question in a way, but, um, so that's like the German side. And now I know we're both raising boys. How do you feel about your boys being in the U.S.? And then, of course, like the turmoil that we have around uh, black men, black boys with um, police or any type of like violence like that. How do you address that with your boys or do you address that? Um, how How do you feel about them growing up with that being part of our, the country we live in, our country? Yeah, I mean, we talk about it all the time. You know, I mean, it's something that, you know, I I say to him that he doesn't just doesn't have the same privileges that his friends have. You know, he, we had this conversation recently about a neighborhood park where there were these two, two like 12 year old white girls smoking weed. And, you know, he was just like, oh, you know, they always smoke weed, although we play basketball there and it's kind of annoying. And but they're friends. So, we, you know, we do hang out and I'm like, you know, you have to be careful. Like if the police comes. And there are these two, you know, cute blonde girls that are, you know, five two, and you're almost six feet tall, mm. hanging out with them. You look older. You're also twelve, but you're <laughs> you look like you could be sixteen. You know, um, I think your treatment could be very different than you know what you know they would be granted, sort of. So I try to be very clear with him that although he's not doing anything wrong, and although that it's not his fault, and he has nothing to do with it that he could still, you know, get in trouble. And it's hard to, you know, explain to a child when you're like, you know, you're doing the right thing, but you can get in trouble for it. So, um, you know, I definitely try to teach him to be very, like, aware of that um, without sort of taking the joy out of, you know, going outside and playing, yeah. um, which sometimes is a, is a, is a struggle, you know, to you know, from, for him to say, oh, I really want to come home at eight. And I'm like, no, I don't really want you to be on the bus when it's dark. Why? Everyone else can. <laughs> and, you know, so it's, you know, it's definitely always a struggle to find the balance of giving him independence and keeping him safe at the same time. I have two quick questions. I want to back up a minute because uh, I, I it stuck out to me what you said about people coming to interview the German girl a woman who runs mm-hmm. this establishment and then you became the black German girl. So what was your own perception of self or how did you define yourself, right? Was was black uh, an identifier that was projected onto you when you got here? Was it language that you would have ever used to describe yourself prior to coming to the US? That's A. And B, um, as it pertains to raising your um, son, what aspects of both German and Ghanaian culture do you um, preserve in, 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 in mm. your raising of, of him? Um, so I, um, I've always, like, I've, I've never been one uh, of those people who were around, you know, sort of not enough people that look like them to then feel like you are sort of identifying with the like white Germans or, um, you know, people around you. Like I always, I was always very like clear about what I am. Um, and it was almost like the opposite when I came here because 
it was always almost like I wasn't black enough. Mm. So like, you know, so I would go to the hair salon and people would just be like, oh, you know, you and that, you know, good hair. And like, and I just be like, wait, what? Like, first of all, you know, in a way you, you are not exactly used to that feeling because in in Europe, you're like, wait, you know, like curls are not like, mm-hmm. you know, the blonde straight ideal, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So then here you turn into like the person who has the like great hair, mm-hmm. you know, in in your community, and and so that was that was weird for a second because I felt like I was getting some like when I was you know nineteen, just getting here, I felt like I was was getting some like sort of hateful comments you know mm. and it was like i remember being at a starbucks and like ordering something and someone was like oh that was such a like good light-skinned girl request mm. and it was just, oh my you know and like so i was definitely getting a, a little bit of that you know or like mm-hmm. women saying to me like oh you know he's only dating him because you're light-skinned right oh, wow. so um so that was a little mm. bit weird for me you know mm. but also in a way, I understood what was going on, you know, mm. like I knew that the, that I wasn't doing anything wrong, that it was anything wrong with me. I knew that this came from some sort of, you know, deep rooted, you mm. know, um, sort of like self-hate that was induced by, you know, society, right. you know, that would put, you know, people on a on a magazine cover like Beyonce and make them lighter, you know, because mm. that was the ideal, right. you know, so, so I think very quickly I, I became aware of that that obviously that's not my fault that you know <laughs> what color I am right. but um but that you know I wasn't trying to start a fight with someone who obviously comes from a place that you know of like hurts in a, in a way you know right so um but well, that was mature of I, you <laughs> very I mean yeah. I you know I it's it's weird I, I mean this is definitely also a cultural thing I think that like I I was never like the type who was like, uh, like in a way looking for conflict, you know, like I was, and this is what happens to, to me at the store too. I have sometimes, you know, this is also, this is a cultural thing, right? We all know that this like stereotypical black girl, hood girl, right? Would really quickly get into like a snapping, you know, argument, neck rolling type thing, right? And people are, and that's like the, the stereotype that sometimes people project on you also, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes people will say, oh, you're kind of like, you know, really calm and like, or angry. If I have, once in a while we have like an upset customer, you know? Mm. And then I would be like, okay, you know, I cannot, I'm not going to be yelling back at you. I'm just talking to you in a regular voice. And I'd just be like, oh, I can't, like, dude, you know, I really am really mad right now, but you're calm and nice. And I'm trying to keep it together. And I'm like, okay, that's good. So it's been good for me in, in business, mm. you know, but sometimes people just assume that I'm also like that, right. you know, because there is, an, you know, that is something that, you know, people experience, you know? So um, I've always, I just am the opposite, like personality wise, you know? So um, never sort of, you know, fit within that right. um so sometimes i like people like i meet them and they just assume that i am this like stereotypical american girl and then they're confused by me not matching their you know their oh, presumption yeah. mm-hmm. and i you know and uh, also what you said about um uh how i preserve my own like sort of cultural things with my kids I think it's mainly keeping them in touch with the original traditions that I have or that my parents gave me, you know, if it's holiday things or, uh, you know, culinary things. Can or, you give you know, examples just, for people that might be yeah, um, listening? Yeah, so, <laughs> so really, you know, like from the German side, I think it's a lot of the... Um, the holiday tradition stuff, you know, like Christmas is huge in Germany, you know, so everything is like, you know, St. Nick comes on the 6th of December and puts things in your shoe and, uh, you know, you have advent calendars and things like that. So I've always done that with them from, you know, from the beginning. Right. Um, and then um, I would say from the Ghanaian side, it's more culinary things like food they love fufu they love you know the uh bullfrat and all those kind of oh. like typical american you know things that uh you know 
I love also. Ukrainian yeah. uh, things. I mean. um, so, yeah, so trying to, you know, sort of keep traditions alive, I think, which is nice. And my dad is also, you know, very, like, involved like an involved grandfather he likes to always you know he's that typical like old african man <laughs> that you can like imagine from like a book story he's like take me to yeah. my first pair of shoes i received when i was 12 yeah. you know <laughs> i walked to school for you know 10 miles every day right. you are so lucky yeah, that you so can good. just get on this bus you know so um i think uh that's also something that's important to me is that he has the relationship with with them in a relationship with you know have both you my uh, you know german side have you mm-hmm? been able to take them to ghana no no, no i so it's, it's crazy we actually had a, a, a trip booked for april 2020 uh, so yeah. we were supposed to leave april like 14th or something 2020 and i remember like on march when everything got shut down we were like we can probably still go, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be fine. And then it just all, right. you know, oh, went downhill. So, but... What about know, language? Hmm? Language. Do, do your kids speak uh, Dutch or... Um, or German. Or Twi or... Excuse me. German <laughs> or Twi or... German, yes. German, yes. It's just because I, because I know how to speak German. I don't know how to speak Twi. Like you know, like basics, you know, okay. uh, foods and things. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, my dad wasn't like, um, he, I think he himself was still trying to adapt to being German mm-hmm. in a way. So I mm-hmm. think he, he himself speaks German mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's with his, you know, other Ghanaian friends or family members. He's very like, um he they growing up i think he he was himself still you know sort of adapting yeah. to the culture so he is not he, he never made a big effort to like teach us the language okay. which i think is like a big regret he has now and i do as well like it would be really amazing if you know we could have uh, grown up like that but he he did speak english so you know all of our english is definitely um hmm. you know has always, we've always been very you know comfortable speaking english and german um hmm. So, you know, that's a good thing. Right. (laughs) Then I have like kind of a closing question, I guess. But where do you see yourself like retiring or like how do you like in your later years? Do you think you will be just in the U.S.? Do you think you'll be back in Germany? Do you think you'll be somewhere completely else? How do you do you have a vision? You know, I, I, I really I love New York. I don't like being cold. <laughs> so I could see being somewhere, you know, half and half type thing. That would be ideal and wonderful. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, I don't think I would go back to Germany. Mm. Um, I think the advantages of Germany are stability and things like that. You know, like that's something that makes me feel great about where my, that my parents are still there. Like I know mm. they're taken care of. Um you know, health and, you know, retirement wise. Um, but really culturally is it's not for me to be there. Right. Um, I, I love the Caribbean. Like I love Barbados. I love, you know, anything that's Island and warm and, um, don't like Florida. But I could imagine no just in somewhere, um, you know, I love New York. I think New York is just also not the U.S., you know, which is right, a whole other right, story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, could, I would like to stay in New York and then, you know, possibly be somewhere warm in like the crazy winter storm months. That would yes. be ideal. But, you know. February is always where I hit the wall. I'm like, oh, I can't stop being here. But I, I have to say that from between being in the U.S. and Europe is that at least here you have the real, the the four seasons as in when i was in the netherlands you get a lot of rain and that rain. was so depressing well, so you know, i was I like i'll rain. take my yeah. harsh winter with my real summer mm. yeah <laughs> yeah for sure my friend actually one of my best friends lives in rotterdam and she's coming on the eighth the first day of the US oh yeah <laughs> oh good for her she is 
yeah, she's she's on her way. And she just actually texted me a screenshot of the Rotterdam forecast versus the New York forecast. And it was all like rain for the next 20 days. Yes. It's cloudy and rain. And that's how it is in Germany too. Like it's, and you know, it's funny, like that has something to do also with the mood of the people, I think, you know, like that is just like, like freaking 80% of the year is it's gray and rainy. Yeah. I think that, also like you know makes people's uh, you know personalities and moods so i definitely am with you on the real seasons and real summers yes <laughs> as a brit i am a um you know sweets cakes that's my lane and so um what are you what what cake uh, what's the last cake you made or what cakes will you be making for the holiday season uh, let's end on something sweet yes Sweet is my favorite too. Um, so we are having amazing um, sweet potato cake actually. Oh, that is delicious. So it's like a it's so it's like a candied yam cake, and it comes with a um, kind of like a fluffy marshmallow frosting that gets um, uh, like we torch it. So it's like a roasted marshmallow on top. Um, it's really good. Yes, <laughs> so that's something. Yes. Okay. As a reminder to everyone, tell everyone where they can find your sweet delights. We are in Brooklyn at 702 Washington Avenue. And uh, that's in Prospect Heights in Brooklyn. And um, you can find us on Instagram at BCakeNY. So that's at and then B as a boy, then the word cake, NY, like New York. And it's also BCakeNY.com. Thank you so much for coming on. So, and thank you guys so much for doing this. Like, I, I think there's a, just a huge need for people to, you know, to hear that their story is also someone else's story, you know? So yeah. um, thank you so much for doing that. Oh, no, thank you. Um, that made me smile. Yes, well, thank me you. Too. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Norma, where can they find us? Yes, you can find us on Instagram. It's Black Girls with Accents. And um, you can also email us, blackgirlswithaccents at gmail.com. Thank you all for tuning in. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. <laughs>